Hello. Um, I'm here today with a, a lovely lady <laughs> called Gail Muller. She's an adventurer, a writer, a speaker, and many other things. And we met probably a year or two ago when I was talking, and Gail happened to talk beforehand, and I thought, oh, the hell do I follow that? So um, without further ado, <laughs> hello, Gail, and how do you feel today? You can hear me giggling as you're talking. I feel great because I've just had an amazing 15-minute chat with you um, before we press record because um, I love talking to you. I'm really good, thanks. It's been an up and down time, but I am good. And yes, I did watch you speak before me at the Do Lectures on that amazing Saturday morning when I was so nervous. I think I might have clicked my pen into pieces watching other people speak, wondering how mine was going to go. And I watched yours. And when you came off, you were so encouraging that I knew um, everything was going to be all right after that. Because it was me, then you, then Kath, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. So I went up nervous, nervous, still so nervous. Then you went up and I saw that you were great and brilliant. And then Kath went up and we just, the three of us were such a joyful combo, I think. I remember you had a friend, Daisy. Yes, yes, still Yeah, and I remember just looking down at you and you were both smiling so much. Uh, it was so encouraging that it made the whole thing almost fun. It was fun. I reckon it's that type two fun they talk about, where type one fun is you enjoy it in the moment and type two fun is you don't like it in the moment, but you really look back on it and enjoy it afterwards. Oh, I haven't heard that before. And type three fun is when it's just shit the whole time. <laughs> before but it's still after. fun. <laughs> no, it's not. It's like... No, it should be fun, but it's shit. I look back on it. Was it good? No, it was shit. Even when I look back on it five years later, that's type three fun, which you're right, isn't fun. So doesn't count. Oh, reboot the podcast, Gareth. Talking shit already. No, that's fine. Um, <laughs> that's what it's all about. So you said ups and downs. What, what's been what's been happening then? Well, it's been a tough time. Uh, I've lived a life... Um, I've lived a packed and varied life so far, which I'm very grateful for. But there's been periods of real tough stuff and all my chronic pain and will I walk again stuff was really hard. That was years ago now. So in the last, uh, I would say, five or six years, things have been rollicking along pretty well. And then in the last 18 months, I've hit another patch because, as you know, life just keeps lifing and um, you never, ever get it nailed. In the last 18 months, I guess, since do. Which is about 18 months since the first do I went to. I had a few bereavements, my dad, then his brother, then a very beloved student of mine who was only 20, and a few bumps in the road that keep pushing me off course of where I know I want to be, which has made me like exhausted. Um, and so I'm I'm getting a very fresh reboot of all of those feelings of a bit of despair, <laughs> a bit of oh God. What's my purpose? Where's my energy gone? Can I dig in to get through all this again? And then you realise that, yeah, all of those resilient traits are innate within us, really. We just have to tap back into them, remember that we can get through, put your head down. And what brings me the most joy, I reckon, Gareth, is helping other people. So when you're feeling really crap, one of the best ways to make yourself feel better or to remove yourself from being stuck in your own stuff is to go and see who else needs a hand with something, whether it's helping your neighbour turn over some soil or just go and see if the charity shop needs a couple of hours or if your mate needs a hand moving some furniture. I think then you always come back feeling like you've done something good so your own stuff doesn't matter quite so much. So ups and downs, some brilliant things. My do book, Hope. My do book called Do Hope came out. So um, that was outstanding. That was a couple of months ago. 
No, last month. Miranda would kill me. Last month. Sorry, Miranda. So, yeah, life's sweet and sour all at the same time. How are you? Pretty <laughs> consistent, which is uh, real, actually. I love a bit of consistency. <laughs> Do you ever get bored with consistency? No, because it's such a rare thing. Okay. And so how- when it does come, it's, it's quite a nice relief to it. How have you curated some consistency for yourself? Um, by having a less random life, a bit more structure to it, and by bringing a bit more sort of discipline to that, which is tricky. And there's still a few things to iron out. But I've noticed things improving step by step, so it just makes me do it more. But then I get complacent. That's the danger. Yeah. Complacency... Uh, for a creative like yourself, no good, because you need to keep those creative cylinders firing. But then that means you come up with new ideas, and then that means life gets a bit more random again. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's, 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 I suppose it's being conscious what you're opening the door to as well, as opposed to in the past the door might have, to take that metaphor, <laughs> always been open, and whatever comes through it, you're doing. So I think having a bit more agency over your choices, which probably comes with age, and being at a different point in life as well. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. And when you talk about having a bit more routine, did you say, or structure, do you both, provide, both. Do you provide that for yourself or are you somehow being given that or bringing that into your life? How are you bringing structure in? Self-discipline or other people? Yeah, but then there's, there's a lot of things which make that easier. So in the past, it would have been, for instance, making a commitment. You know, I used to go swimming with a friend. So that was great because you get out of bed to do that. Yeah. Um, and simple little things like having to drop my son off in the morning early. So once you're up to do that anyway, it's easy to add something else to that. So I kind of, again, it's just about being conscious about these things and trying to package them up in a way where that structure is useful. Yeah. And not restrictive. Yeah, it's not restrictive at all because there's a hell of a lot of flexibility within it. So it's a bit like um, just putting bookends on a shelf, but you still fill in the books with whatever books you want. That's a lovely way of describing it. Um, I think with my brain, because of my ADHD brain, wherever it's also maybe a bit autistic brain, I crave disorder, <laughs> but I also <laughs> crave order at the same time. So Structure is something that I'm naturally resistant to. If you try to make me fit into plans or decide or keep something the same every week, yeah, especially if it's introducing a new thing um, that needs to be structured, I yearn for it and I'm also repulsed by it simultaneously. And that's really tricky to manage. I used to do Fitness Wild every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 7 a.m. for an hour, which was personal training with Jen from the Do Lectures, who lives down here. And our trainer's doing something different now. So in the last few weeks, that's gone from our lives. We're going to try and find a different trainer and, you know, reboot it. But I didn't like that when I very first started doing it, this get up at six, go out in the cold, work out with weights twice a week. I love the working out, but the having to do it twice a week at the same time. And But then you become, actually, you love it because it's the, it's like the linchpins in the week that the week revolves around, whatever those steady, good for you things are. But then when you have to reintroduce them or put new ones in, I'm, I'm, I'm like, no. Whereas at the same time, I'm like, but you need it. Otherwise you are just living in chaos. Yeah. So 
it's a tricky balance and I'm always being asked to do other things can you help with this do you fancy doing that do you want to come can you do a bit of tutoring here can you help with this project and I instinctively like you say about the open door go Woo, what's coming in next yeah that's fun sure I'll help yeah I'll help yeah I'll do that Ooh, count me in and then you go oh my god look at my diary this is horrendous I've got everything everywhere nothing makes sense um and I'm exhausted so thinning it out I've been thinning things out aiming to get to your incredible I mean you look so zen I'm aiming to get to your <laughs> to your zen peacefulness that's where I'm going Gareth uh well that's kind of you to say but um it's probably like a, a swan paddling like mad underneath <laughs> or duck but um uh certainly the ambition is to just have a bit more mental peace mm, mental peace mental quiet or mental peace are they the same thing well just just less static and less being overwhelmed by thinking about stuff that's just you don't even know why you're thinking about it how do you do that? Diagonal. Uh, no, a hell of a lot of reading and a lot of practice and trying lots of different things and eventually starts to feel a little bit normal. Yeah, the the swimming helps. Daisy and I used to go swimming a lot and Daisy moved to Penzance. Daisy from the Do Lectures, that I, who was my plus one. So that's made me a bit sad in a way because she was my person. I didn't need to get into deep and meaningfuls and it wasn't a big, we could because we do. But when you meet someone like you, meet your buddies for a swim, you don't start from scratch and have to fill them in on everything you've been up to and how are you doing? And it turns into quite an energy exchange rather than two people who understand each other coming to get in the sea. And then if you sit quietly together for 10 minutes or 50 minutes and don't say more than three words and then hug goodbye, that's brilliant. But now she's nearly an hour away down in Penzance, so it's not possible. And I going by yourself is not the same. It's not safe, and it's not the same. I haven't um, seen your book yet, and I can imagine what it's about, even just from the title. So tell us a bit about that. Tell me how that's gone. How have you not seen the book yet? Come on. Here she is. She's a beauty, honestly. Um so amazing Jim took the photographs, um, Jim Marsden, and they are so stunning. He came to Cornwall to take them. Um, this beautiful forest at Kalamansak House. And the book is about basically um, not giving up, but being honest about the fact that you might want to, and then being able to find the little flame that's still going, even when you think it's complete darkness, getting your hands around that flame and very slowly keeping shuffling towards a less windy place in your life where the flame can get bigger and brighter and it's no judgment in this book there's no shame I share some of my stories I share some amazing ideas and quotes from others I share some 10 concrete things you can do to bring more hope into your life if you're lacking and I also challenge the idea of hope being whimsical and uh, esoteric and just like a wishy-washy fluffy idea oh try and be more hopeful actually it can be much more concrete than that and you can make a good roadmap for yourself with hope um I also talk about being captain of your own team which is my brilliant sister used to say to me when I was really struggling and I do a lot of beating myself up it's part of it's an, it's kind of a neurodiverse trait that you're very hard on yourself I mean lots of people are hard on themselves anyway but she used to say to me, she's a champion sailor. She represented GB for many, 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 many years. Um, and she'd be like, Gail, 
You've got to be captain of your team. You're in charge of the team. The team are all listening to you. The team of you are listening to you. And if you're at the front going, this is shit, why are we bothering? What's everybody going to do in your team? They're going to go, oh, the captain says this is shit. Let's all down tools. This is fucked. You need to be a strong captain of your team and your own cheerleader. And she's right. So the book also explores what it means to be you. Are you trying to be something that doesn't really suit you? Are you trying to be something that maybe unconsciously your parents wanted you to be or your peer group at school or that you think you should be because you are a certain type of person, a certain gender, a certain orientation um, or are naturally gifted at certain things so that's what you should do? So it talks a lot about taking stock of the things that really spark joy in your life and noticing them and then gathering those things together to see if the picture of what you think you should be and the picture of what really brings you joy, if they're the same or not. And if they're not, how can you start to gently repoint your compass without disrupting your life too much, especially if you're at low energy and feeling exhausted? How do you start gently moving towards being in flow with your true nature and your true purpose. So it's a very much a helpful, gentle, we're all in this together hug of a book based on empirical evidence and experience from my own ups and downs um, and ending with a very beautiful story that I shared at Do, which I won't spoil, but that you've heard about my ex-student messaging me all those years in the future, a message that she'd received all those years before. Um, So yeah, it's a beautiful treaties of keeping your spirits up i think sounds brilliant and i love that image of the um the little flame and the idea of taking it to somewhere less windy that's brilliant yeah Yeah. (laughs) thanks (laughs) because the winds of life are pretty howling at the moment and it's hard to keep any flame from guttering out so hands around it and you know you can you can extrapolate that simple image of a person with their flame guttering around and feeling weak moving to a less windy place but you can extrapolate that to society and we're all pulling our hair out and there's quite a lot about these bigger picture societal issues i mean the book doesn't speak to mass conflict or anything like that it's it's just a little book but it speaks to us being able to unite in our ability to hope for something better and galvanize communities around flames of community flames of how we treat our young people, how we treat our elderly, how we treat each other, how we deal with people who are different to us and integrate in a way that's where you meet people who are different to you with the hope that you can get on with um, an open mind towards positivity rather than distrust, disengagement and alienation. Rather than othering others, it's like welcoming others with trust. I think trust and hope go quite well together, hand in hand. You need to be brave to be trusting, but we've all got it within us. That sounds excellent. And I really like what you said about your sister as well. So, I've never thought like that either. Um, so wh- how did she get that kind of mentality? Is it just in her or? It's in her, I think. But also she went through a lot with her sports personing. Um, I want to say sportsman, but it's not. It's a sportswoman. Sports personing. So she was sailed from a young age. Dad was a great sailor. And then she was picked up and she represented GB and lots of different aspects. And then she was selected for the Olympic training squad for sailing. We grew up with Ben Ainsley. I'm not familiar if you're aware of Ben Ainsley, who won lots of Olympic golds and then the America's Cup. And he's like, Sir Ben now, dear of him. He's very lovely. Um, I haven't seen him for years, but 
they all will start sailing down here together. I'm not a great sailor. My sister is. Um, so then she was selected and they train a lot and they train very hard. And so you have to, and excuse me for anybody listening who is an Olympic athlete knows this much better than me. I'm just from what I've picked up from witnessing this over the years. You train, 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 train your whole life, get selected for the, like the pre-squad where the people who might get picked all train hell for leather for like a year, two years. And then from that group, I think it was only four, three women got picked and Nicola was the one that didn't get picked. And the three women who got picked, who went on to um, do the Olympics in the Yingling class, all won gold, Shirley Robinson, Sarah Webb, and another, I've forgotten, I've forgotten their names. And Nicola was the one that didn't. So she watched her teammates she'd been training with and selected with go on. And she was proud of them. And she was so proud of them. But also that mindset she had to adopt to give it her all knowing she may not be the one selected um she had to keep herself front of mind captain of my own team knowing my own worth knowing that whatever happens I've given my very best and so that I can't beat myself up too much obviously it's devastating that was very you know it's a good few years ago now but that's where she formed those really useful helpful positive mindsets that small setbacks shouldn't upset the whole ship you know you just got to get yourself together and carry on and I have my own understanding of that from all my years of chronic pain and being told I probably wouldn't be able to walk past 40 um so we both have this resilience this innate grit about us um mum and dad obviously instilled that in us they you know hard-working teacher and engineer and um yeah, you get you fall down, you get back up. I hate that song by Chumbawamba. I absolutely hate it. It's like the worst earworm ever, but it's sadly true. They're right. Get back down, get up again. Can we delete this bit from the podcast? <laughs> it's fab. Chumbawamba. <laughs> it's fab. Um, do you, I mean, do you have to, in the past, I used to have to get to a certain point before I'd react to something, meaning you'd let something get, bad and worse and worse until you reacted are you the same or are you able to not let things go downhill in that way and nips things in the bud um uh, uh uh i think if i see things happening to other people or people i care about or things i care about i'm quick to act if it's myself i'm slow to act yeah i think oh i can put up with that a bit longer i can deal with that a bit longer yeah. Don't want to make a fuss because I can just bear, you know, put another brick on top of me. I'm fine. I can carry that until I completely collapse. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I could have seen that coming if I'd have been a bit more self-aware. But I don't want to ever appear to be lazy or needy or like I'm taking up people's time or I'm being a bother. But what happens ultimately, I've learned, is that you're more of a bother by trying not to be a bother. And I'm watching that with people I love at the moment who've gone through some trauma they try to hold it together and actually they cause you more worry. I've definitely learned, um, and this particular person knows this, that when people keep telling you consistently they're fine because they don't want you to worry, but logically, you know, they've gone through such a terrible thing that they can't possibly be fine every day. All you do that, so they are trying to, A, tell themselves they're fine every day, so that's what they're saying. And they're also trying to not be a bother because they don't want to fuss, they don't want to look weak. So they're saying I'm fine. And they also don't want to worry the people that love them. But when you know someone is fibbing some of the time, but you don't know when, you worry about them all of the time because you don't know 
when fine means terrible, fine means moderate or fine means great. So instead, I just worry about her all the time now. And I've told her that recently. And now we've got a new system, Gareth, which I'm also I'm using as well. So it's when I was a teacher in schools for years, instead of the register in the beginning of class, I would always say, give me a number out of 10 about how you're feeling between one and 10. And they all knew this in all my classes up from like 11 years old to 18 years old. The register would be a number. And my promise to them was unless it was really, really bad and they asked me to help, I would not quiz them about their number because the point wasn't to get them to open up and be vulnerable in front of anyone. They would just be able to say their honest number and we move on to the next person. But they've had a chance to express how they feel in a number, much like mood with a colour. You don't have to share your deep meaningfuls, but you've, you've made it clear. So now this particular person and I, instead of fine, she has promised on an oath that she gives me a number. So I say, how are you doing? And she'll go six and a half or three or nine. And that's enough for me. Now I can, and it is actually, it's just like your color structure. Now I've got a picture in my head of how she's doing. So I know when to worry and when not to worry. And that's really helpful. So I use it now with her. So she knows whether to worry about me or not. So yeah, I'm finding ways to manage my hyper resilience and hyper independence. Um, that's a very long answer to your lovely question. What about that's okay. You? And you just make me think if you passed on a copy of mood to that person, you I could do what I you could do what I said I do with my two good friends where we Send just it. take a screenshot and text it to each other and we don't even have to say anything. And it's just a way of checking in without the hassle of describing anything. Yeah. Or even being asked, actually, being asked I've a question. Got, I'm going to give one to my sister and one to the other person as well, who might, oh, yeah. be, might be my mum or might not be my mum. <laughs> <laughs> no, and let me know how you get on as well, because it's, it's such an easy shorthand. And the other thing is, it's not, it's meant to be beautiful. So it's meant to be something that you're not embarrassed about or ashamed of or anything. And over time, the, the, the weak view becomes more like a little compass because you become self-aware over time. The bigger view gives you context and the big picture, and you can see how you've been doing. And sometimes when you realize looking back, things are not as bad as you thought. Hopefully you don't catastrophize the future so much, but in the short term, then if you see things going downhill for a few days, it's just a little warning to, to step in. I'm writing that down. Cause that's so lovely. So it would just be a little warning. Yeah, just like the canary in the mine, poor canary. Yeah, I refer to it as that, but then people tell me I'm too old and people don't know what that is anymore. Yeah, but that, no, that's, that's, you keep saying that because we use Shakespearean vernacular in our True. daily, daily lives. So just because we're not down the mines with canary doesn't mean we can't use it in a metaphorical, allegorical sense to understand the context of our modern world. There we are. So it's exactly that. It's a, think of it as a little compass or a canary in the coal mine. Yeah, little compass. And if you need help, you can ask for it, with, even if you can't explain it. Yeah, you can just go, and people can go, okay, gotcha. Yeah. I'm, don't worry about it. I'm keeping my eye on you. Yeah, that's. it's a lovely, gentle way to express how you feel. Sometimes... Words are redundant because you can't find a way to encapsulate how you're feeling. And um, my ex-boyfriend is a neuroscientist um, to some degree. He's very nice. Not the one who lives next door through the wall. 
he's very lovely we're friends now um but <laughs> not that i've got loads of ex-boyfriends or anything but um the one who's a um a psychiatrist psychologist he we used to have really interesting discussions which is ironic in itself about language and that language is purely a vehicle is the best vehicle humans can come up with to be able to communicate commonalities or differences or preferences or desires and actually words I'm I am and have always been hyperlexic since I was tiny so I have a huge vocabulary and I'm very uh, expressive with language whereas I'm not so great with numbers and, and things like that so I find words to be exceptionally great tools for me to be very specific in the I'm like a thesaurus I can use a word that has a slightly nuanced meaning next to another word and sometimes people I think I've expressed myself incredibly clearly to people and they don't receive it in the same way because their preferred way of using language is not for such depth communication. They would do that in a different way. So it's frustrating sometimes how limiting language can actually be when we think it's useful. Sometimes we can be speaking it uh, totally or total opposites. Um, so simplistic things like color grades, numbers, the binary way of communicating is, uh, is a quicker and sharper way to to cut through noise um well, I th- and, th- and the way that sometimes if you can uh engender a feeling in somebody without words because words also define and limit don't they and you could be speaking two different languages with the same language as you've just said yeah so if you can find a way that brings out a reaction in somebody that's a feeling i think it's um it's a bit more vital yes I agree. I'm just thinking that through. Yeah, I know. It's like um, trying to support people or trying to express how you feel to people or trying to navigate life is really hard. The more polarised we become, isn't it? And language can be so divisive these days. There's so much division and people are often looking for ways to feel um, heard. So they'll get angrier and then they'll use language that pushes people away to help dis dis um what's the word differentiate themselves from a cause etc yeah so evoking feelings more gently is now almost a more effective language than the language we're trying to shout at each other with yeah and i think when you when you do what you've just said i think half of it is about bolstering your own kind of identity because you're creating that you're you're making a bigger thing out of that difference so therefore yeah. you're defining yourself even more and it's not healthy really i don't think no everyone seems to, a lot of people seem to want to stand at the peak of the um you know the high bits of land on their own about this is my identity and this is what i believe when actually if we all just came down a bit and mingled in the valley in the valley yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all just mingling about helping each other with this and that get fetch water carry all of that stuff and seeing the humanity of each other in those connections of mingling together um in in all sorts of metaphorical and real senses then we don't need we realize we don't need to be polarized up on our little pinnacles because it's lonely and the only place you've got to go is to fall off you know yeah. um, and if you're down in the valley there's someone to catch you and say, oh, it's all right, pal, sit down for a minute. I'll go and get you a cup of tea. Um, it might not agree with what you just said, but I'll get you a cup of tea anyway, and we can, you know, talk about the flowers or something else. 
Well, the more I talk to people, different people, the more I realize it sounds a bit cliched, but you know, if you had a Venn diagram, the overlap is the huge part. That bit in the middle, we are the same as each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And never more was that drilled home to me starkly than when I was hiking the Appalachian Trail in 2019. And it was, was it after the election or was it the, I can't remember. I think it was post Trump being elected. Um, and as I walked down through North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, um, all around the trail, when you were walking through meadows off the mountain trails, were big, you know, wooden lodge type homes with big grassy fronts and Trump flags, Trump, 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 Trump 2020, whatever it was, uh, flags in all of these houses. And that, you know, he's not my politics, right? I'm not American. I'm not getting, trying to get into a political debate. But I have some preconceived notions, and I definitely had even firmer preconceived notions then about what people who support Trump might be like from news I've read and things I've absorbed. I'm still not a Trump supporter in any means. But what I did experience was when I was when I needed water, when I needed directions, when I needed to refill with someone's tap in the drought in August, you know, and there was no streams running, all the springs had run dry, and I had to knock on people's doors. Those people with those Trump flags were some of the most welcoming, friendliest, kindest, generous people I had met. They put your washing in the washing machine. Don't worry about that. We'll take you to the store. Do you need to stay the night? Do you want a home cooked meal? Do you want this? Do you want that? Come on in, honey. They would have done anything for me. And um, that was a real wake up call that, you know, not one emblematic totem reflects the entirety of a human being, that we are all a Venn diagram with somebody else somewhere else. We are a myriad of Venn diagrams. We are a mandala, really, aren't we, of overlapping Venn diagrams all echoing out across the world. So it's possible to find a, a commonality just as easily as it's possible to find a difference so maybe we all need to be looking for the overlap and not the space where we don't meet oh my yeah. god spot on I need to write that down <laughs> no, that's great honestly I, I think that's a real uh guiding light well you can find it in my book do hope <laughs> <laughs> excellent so there's three things now for me to uh, explore there <laughs> yeah um i will actually hang on we got here. There are tech. Hang on, hang on. We've got tools. So I've put ten tools in to help you find a bit of hope. Choose one, and I'll tell you what the title is. Random between one and ten. Four. Four. <gasps> Number four. Watch the sun come up. Yes, even if it's early, set your alarm, find a spot where you can sit with a favourite beverage and watch the sunrise, or go for an early morning walk and watch it. The sun comes up every day, and each time it does is a chance for you to reboot and start again. It's possible to begin again at any moment, of course, but there's something symbolic and beautiful about seeing the new day begin, to hear nature begin to wake up before the rest of the world does, and to be part of that fresh beginning where anything could happen. In a world where things happen to us every day, why couldn't today be the day that something good and wonderful happens to you? Or you could just welcome a day with no expectations or pressures. Whatever kind of day it's going to be, you're seeing it begin fresh and new. Brilliant and well read as well. Thanks so much. You can also find me on Audible. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I have number seven as well, please? Yeah, you can have number seven. 
I mean, this makes it sound a bit like it's all jolly jolly. Laughter. Finding something or someone that makes you laugh is good. You might feel a bit resistant to this at first. A lower mood and feeling a bit hacked off can make you feel less likely to want to find things to laugh about. But try sticking an episode of your favourite sitcom on or a clip of a stand-up comedian or even better, go to a comedy gig. Studies have shown that humour and laughter can actively improve people's states of hopefulness. Laughter can help suppress negative thoughts and replace them with more uplifting and positive ones, which might not solve whichever problem you're facing, but it can give you some mental space and flexibility to see your situation a little differently and nudge you towards some motivation to seek different pathways forward brilliant it's a lovely book i send you one (laughs) i'll get one honestly Uh, that's great it's really good gail it's been um absolute treat to catch up it has i've had a bloody lovely time it's been great and uh well let's just keep in touch isn't it but You've said so many cool things, but is there something, just something short and sweet that is easy to remember that you'd like to pass on that you think might be helpful? Yeah. When I was on the trail and on multiple trails, you used to have a really shit time. It used to rain for days at a time and you'd feel like crap and you'd want to go home and you can't believe you're walking however many thousands of miles you're supposed to walk. And the phrase that I would like to share with everybody, which I've shared before, but is always worth sharing again, is never quit on a bad day. So you want to be going home, get off the trail, hitchhike to a train station and go home or fly home. And people who you'd meet or in your little hiking community that you'd be walking with at that time, people you'd met would say, yeah, sure, we can help you get off trail. We can help you get a train. We can call you a taxi, whatever, whatever. But not today. Um, how about you wait till the next good day when the sun comes out or you feel better and the next time you have a good day we'll all help you get off trail and get home so you feel relieved that people are taking you seriously and maybe you can't quite get off trail from wherever you are so you're going to have to wait a couple days anyway and you say okay then and then the next time someone mentions it you're smiling and laughing a couple days later and they say oh right time to get you off trail and you say I'm not going anywhere and they're like well it's the next good day so it's the time to quit and you realize that actually when you're in the pits and when you are exhausted and tired and soaked through and desperate and homesick and hurting all you want to do is quit but if you just hang on till the next time you feel a bit better you'll realize that it wasn't that you wanted to quit it's that you were just suffering and we all suffer and you can get through the suffering and carry on on the path you were on. So never quit on the bad day is my advice. I think that's brilliant. I love it. And I don't think I've heard that before. And uh, I can think of somebody immediately that that will help. So that's brilliant. Thank you. Delighted to hear that. Brilliant. Oh, you're an absolute diamond. Thank you so much for having me on, Gareth. Oh, it's great to just catch up. It's been brilliant. So um, I'll see you soon. And thanks a lot, Gail. Bye. You're welcome. Let's do it again soon. Bye.